0: Can you hear me? I have something to say. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And hi. Wow, February has been huge for the podcast, and I want to say thank you to all the new listeners. Hi. Um, just to give you all a bit of context, we've been getting down in downloads per day the same number every day so far in February that we got for the entire month of November. More than. So, thank you to all the new listeners, and welcome to the project. Today, we're continuing our normal Monday thing, where I'm going to talk about the most recent episode of Star Trek Discovery, because I am a huge Star Trek fan, and I really want to like this show, and it doesn't make it easy. If you're new to my reviews... I will do a brief kind of summary of my feelings of the episode before going into spoilers. And, oh, you best be believing that I will be going into spoilers for this episode because, oh my goodness. Uh, Okay. So, Point of Light picks up on things that have been happening in previous episodes and... Picks up some some stuff from last season, which is upsetting to me. It's really trying to tie up a lot of loose ends from last season. And it's also kind of a backdoor pilot for an upcoming series of Star Trek that they are reportedly working on. Though, there are some who are passing around rumors that Star Trek Discovery will not be getting a season three I highly doubt that. I think that it will get a third season just because... I At this point, I think CBS has doubled down too much on it to let it go away just yet. No matter how many people are watching it. I, I really feel like with the tardigrade lawsuit and everything else, I, I think that they would feel that they would lose too much face to get rid of it. If anything... If the season doesn't garner them a lot of viewers, then what we're going to see is yet another reboot for season three to see how much Trek a Star Trek could Trek, if a Star Trek could Trek, Trek. And yeah, overall, this, it wasn't a bad episode. I didn't enjoy it as much as I did episodes one and two. Though that's for several different reasons, most of which I cannot discuss until we get into the spoiler section. Let me just say, because I think I can say this without spoilers, I actually really enjoyed everything that happened with Tilly on the Discovery. I'm okay with what they're doing with Amanda. I actually like that they're giving Amanda more of a plot more of a character than she had on the original series, though she only appeared in one episode. So it's not, you know, I can't really say too much bad about her appearance on the original series. Cause like I said, she only appears in one episode, but i like that. They're giving her more character. They're giving her more to do and they're showing her involvement with Spock. And I hope over the course of the season, showing her relationship with him in a way that will help us understand her appearance in Journey to Babel more. We'll see. I do like the actress. I do like the character. And for the most part, everything that happened on Discovery, I liked. I'll have to hold off on that until we get into spoilers, but I just have to say... Mia Kirshner's portrayal of Amanda Grayson, I I really enjoy. I like it. I do want to see more of it. I just. Okay. Uh, The other half of the episode takes place on Kronos and deals with the Klingons and tidies stuff up from last season. And that, to me, is where the episode fell apart. And I don't think I could talk about that at all without getting into spoilers. So all in all, not a bad episode. I think it worked for what it was trying to do, but I think it had some tonal problems, which is something that Star Trek Discovery has been plagued by. And those tonal problems would not have happened if they just let this part of season one's plot line completely go away. But they didn't, so it it made for a very, I, I don't know the word, it just, it felt like two episodes of two competing shows that were smashed together, because it was. It was a backdoor pilot for an upcoming series and an episode of Star Trek Discovery at the same time, and the tone between those two shows don't jive well, so... I think that's all I can say without getting into spoilers. So from this point on, if you have not seen Point of Light, which is episode three of season two, and you do not want to hear any spoilers, please go watch that episode and come back for the discussion that will follow. Okay, so are we are we ready? Okay. Don't don't blame me if you find yourself spoiled. Okay, so my biggest flaw that I can pin on this episode is that we go to Kronos and we deal with the Klingons again, which means that we have to deal with Laurel and that, uh, that's problematic. And we deal with Ash Tyler again, which is also problematic. Okay. So let, let's kind of Deal with these separately. One, they are trying to, I don't know, cut the baby in half and give us some explanation of... Okay, so a lot of people complained, myself included, about the way the Klingons looked in Season 1. Because... They tried to make them look more alien, which I'm not entirely opposed to, though that is kind of anathema to the way Gene Roddenberry looked at aliens. He wanted to make sure that you could always see the humanity of the actor coming through because he felt that you needed that humanity to be able to have empathy with them. And I don't think he's entirely wrong with that idea. And... The way basically making Klingons look like elephant seals didn't make them look cooler or more interesting. It just meant that they applied a lot of makeup to a lot of actors faces, which restricted the movement that they could have in their face, which then constrained their ability to speak and act through the appliances. That became a problem, especially with the character of Laurel, who's one of the Klingons we spend the most time with, and the character of Ash Tyler, because since she can't move her mouth much when she's talking, Lorel has this kind of sound that they're turning into the Klingon accent because she cannot move her mouth. And so when they have... Ash, the actor who plays Ash Tyler, um, um, Shazad Latif, I believe that's how uh, his name is pronounced. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. Um, as many who are better at this than I am have said, remember, mispronouncing things is kind of my thing. I, I don't know whether he's a good actor or not because they've given him such a bad character to play, but every time he has to be more Klingon... He takes on this, like, weird old man voice because he's trying to replicate the sounds that came out his head when he had to wear the appliances when he was playing the Klingon. Which doesn't make him sound menacing. It doesn't make any of the Klingon sound menacing. And the fact that they're trying to make some of the newer Klingon characters look more Klingon... By stating that apparently all Klingons had decided to shave their heads. And they've decided to start growing their hair back out. So we're starting to see Klingons with hair and mustaches and beards. Which does make them look a bit more Klingon-y. And some of the new characters that were introduced have ridges that are reminiscent Of the Klingons we came to know and love. Though still in that exaggerated elephant seal-like way with the giant melon heads, it, it it's not a good look. Like they should have just, when they realized that people really didn't like the Klingons, they should have just, without explanation, either made the Klingons look normal, like the Klingons that we've known, or say that Tyler is this, you know, the technique that they used on Tyler unleashed some kind of a disease throughout the Klingons that made them all look like humans, which is why they all look like humans in the original series. And now we don't have to deal with the weird elephant seal makeup, but they don't do that. They try to have it both ways. And that really didn't work. Like visually, it didn't work. The other problems that I'm having with their storyline here is, one, we've seen the High Council Chamber as it existed in TNG. And granted, that's, all, you know, what, 100 years later? So that could explain and justify a lot of the changes, but it it, it looks weird and feels weird because they have a giant volcanic crater in the middle of it with like lava moving through it. it 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 really didn't work for me and there before we even get into the plot there there's a action sequence that takes place and even for star trek standards the choreography of the fight is not good it it does not Make me fear the Klingons or think of them as having any kind of, you know, prowess as warriors. And to make matters worse, uh, why, why, why did you do this? Why, why? Just please. Uh, okay, Michelle Yo Take Michelle Yeoh takes part in the fight, and as somebody who grew up watching her fight, and know that knows that she has a lot of talent with martial arts and is really capable of doing action sequences. You didn't use any of that and she's as bad as everyone else. And I'm assuming that they made her dumb it down because you know, the great warrior Klingons that they had weren't good fighters or something. I I don't know. I don't know, but it really took me out of the episode And, yeah. So, that was just... It was all matter of mess and problematic. It brought up the fact that Ash still feels like he has two people in himself because he has all of his memories of being Ash Tyler, which they implanted into his mind. And he keeps having flashes of memories of when he was Voke. And... The other Klingons don't recognize him as a Klingon because he doesn't look like a Klingon. And, yeah, it just... He was the least interesting character in Season 1. And the fact that we go back to him in Season 2 did not make anything better. It did not improve his character. They did not reboot his character at all. They have him doing some of the same strange vocal things that they did in season one, like I was saying, the, when he talks like a Klingon, he puts on his, I'm an old man voice. Like he, uh, it wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for the fact that we have a series of unfortunate events out there. And it's basically the same voice that Neil Patrick Harris puts on when Count Olaf is pretending to be an old man. And (laughs) that's a comedy show. And you're trying to make me feel that Klingons are mighty warriors and whatnot. Yeah. There's so much more to talk about, and we'll get to it after this word from our sponsor. And we're back. Okay, so just continuing to deal with the Klingons. Now, granted, yes, this is 100 years in the future, but in Next Gen... There is a whole plot point about how a female cannot lead the High Council. And maybe, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt here, they're trying to say that that's because of stuff that Lorel did, and that Lorel is going to ruin it for women in power in the Klingon Empire for at least 100 years. And that's the plot line we're getting with her. And if it is, I don't want to see that. Like, I'm already bothered enough that they put Lorel in charge of the High Council. Because it goes right to this whole thing. the reason Lursa and Beitor have to pull out Durad's illegitimate son, Torell, and give him a claim to the throne during the Klingon Civil War in the next generation, is because neither Lursa nor Beitor can have a seat on the Council... They cannot have leadership of the council, and so they need to find a boy, and they do, and that's the plot there. And maybe they're trying to retcon that out of the universe. That would be upsetting to me, because the Klingon Civil War, Redemption Part 1 and 2, are two of my favorite episodes of the next generation, because I love Klingons. I not, I've made no secret of the fact that I used to cosplay Klingon quite a bit and have contemplated doing it again, but it's hard to get that much leather. Leather's expensive and the head appliances are uncomfortable, but it's a lot of leather. Anywho, so basically the whole plot on, just to so you know, the reason I'm focusing on the Klingon part right now is I want to end in a happy place and I enjoyed what happened on Discovery. That's why I'm saving that for last. So basically, the whole gist of the plot of what happens on Kronos, it's a a backdoor pilot for the Section 31 series that they're planning to do with Michelle Yeoh after this. And so we see her intervening during an attempted coup and recruiting Tyler to her crew for the cloaked Federation ship that she is on in the show and okay you, you did a couple things that are alright with this because initially I, I I almost accepted the idea that she beheaded the child and Tyler and I was kind of hoping she beheaded Tyler because that's a character that just needs to go away but then immediately we get the reveal that they basically cloned their heads so that they could frame the people who tried to commit a coup and say that you know they saved they they died trying to save her and that Tyler was a monster all along and dot 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 so we are soft trying to, they're trying to soften the edge of Emperor Giorgio, and they're trying to signal to us that while she may be doing bad things in Section 31, because Section 31 does bad things, they're not letting her be the absolute monster that they made her out to be in the first season. Okay, I'm alright with that, but you've sapped so much of my interest in the series by telling me that the character of Ash Tyler is going over to that series, because the whole point of that storyline is the recruitment of Tyler for her crew now maybe with a different creative team and different directors they'll tell him to cut off cut out the old man voice because old man voice does not make you a great warrior maybe hopefully and I'm not saying that the character is without redemption I mean I didn't like Barkley when they first introduced him and I begrudgingly started liking him through the next gen and then actually came to like him in Voyager. I think Voyager was his redemption as a character. So it is possible to redeem a character that was just annoying. But I I don't have the confidence that they're going to be able to do that. Because they had an opportunity here and they didn't take it. I don't know what they're going to be doing with the Klingons other than this weird, hey, you guys like Game of Thrones, right? So we're going to do Game of Thrones. And Lorel is our Khaleesi who's trying to break the wheel. Because the houses, they're fighting with each other. And she's trying to put a stop to all that. Because Khaleesi is popular. Thing that they're doing. I don't know. I really, I really don't know. Okay. But... That, that, to me, is why I couldn't say that many good things about this episode. Because the stuff with the Klingons, I take that very, like, to heart because I love me some Klingons. And the fact that I don't like how they're treating the Klingons and using the Klingons really upsets me. But back on Discovery, Tilly is still seeing the ghost of Mel. Of May, sorry. And it works. I, I, I like the ghost... I figured that it was the spore that landed on her shoulder at the end of season one. And they confirm in this episode that it was. They continue tying her storyline in with Stamets. He pulls the blob thing out of her, which was a wonderful scene. I really liked how that worked. I liked the visuals. I really liked the way we saw the ghost, the hallucination, whatever you want to call her react to that. I like the stuff that led up to that with the breakdown in front of Pike. I enjoyed all that. I really like that. Tilly remains for me one of the saving graces of this show. And I I can't wait to see what they do with her and Stamets going forward. And hopefully they do have a storyline that's there. I can tell you right now that it's going to lead to them either figuring out that they can never use the spore drive again which is probably what's going to end up happening or figuring out a way that they could use the spore drive at least until they realize that it's unethical for them to be doing terrible things to the weird blob monster and then finally stop using it for good which they could have already done and we could be done with the spore drive but no we're not okay but that that's my feeling with that. I, I enjoyed it. I liked how it worked. I liked her her you know her and seru. I liked you know the way she worked with the other crew that was great. I've already talked a little bit about Amanda Grayson. I like that she stole Spock's medical records and brought them to Pike. I find it interesting that, Spy, that Spock has been... Possibly framed for murder or maybe killed some people. Maybe went crazy and killed some people. I am assuming that through course of the story we're going to find out that that's maybe a Section 31 cover story. So that that's kind of what I'm thinking is going on is that what we didn't see is that Section 31 picked Spock up. And they ended up killing those doctors in the process of apprehending him. And framed Spock for their murder. Section 31 sees whatever's going on with the Red Angel and the lights as a threat. And they're trying to use Spock to figure out what it is and end the threat before it becomes worse. Which means we're going to end up with some kind of showdown between The Discovery and the Section 31 crew, which is going to cause all kinds of emotional issues for Michael and Tyler because they're the love that makes no sense. uh, They've written it in and they've continued it in this episode, so that's probably going to be a thing. Uh, But, you know, I, I, I have a strong feeling that that's where the rest of the season is going. I don't think that that makes it a bad thing. There, There is a good chance and a good possibility that we are going to get something good out of this. Um, this episode may have made reference to an event that happened in the animated series. They've actually made several references back to the animated series in Discovery, so I wouldn't be surprised about that but they talk about the time Spock ran away from home. There is an episode in the the animated series where Spock runs away from home and actually runs into future Spock from the animated series. And that future Spock gives him a fake name and, you know, basically helps him to survive in the wilderness until he ends up coming back. But they they make reference to this in this episode, which has led me and others to wonder if this is how they're going to retcon out the Kelvin universe, the movies, um, even though they don't have to. It's a self-healing problem in that so he stops, it gets stopped from happening, which means it doesn't happen, which means he doesn't go back to stop it from happening, which means it gets undone, which means it can happen again and it doesn't happen again. And loop-de-loop-de-loop-de-loop-de-loop. I have a feeling because they have been so obsessive with timelines with Star Trek that they're going to find some excuse to undo this, and that the Red Angel has something to do with future Spock, and the Red Matter, and blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. Because remember, Spock came back a while before the Romulans did in the first Star Trek movie, so they may be playing around with that idea in some way. I hope not. I sincerely hope not. But that does look like a a possibility in all of this, that they're connecting that future Spock with the animated series future Spock episode and kind of mushing it all together into this hodgepodge of hodgepodginess. We We'll see. Um, I'm hoping that that's not it. This episode felt much more like an episode of Season 1, mainly because it brought up way too much from Season 1, and that does not help the series. They need to be very careful about doing that. I I just... I don't know. I don't understand what they're doing with this at all. Because they have good characters. They have an interesting premise with Season 2. And the end of Season 1 was done in such a way that they really didn't have to go back and address any of the things that happened in it. I mean, everything with Laurel and Tyler could have happened off camera inside the Klingon Empire. And if they wanted to address it, they could do it through communiques or through offhanded comments, you know, ambient details throughout the series, but they've decided to go there. Hopefully we will not be spending a lot more time on Kronos But I have a feeling that that's not going to be the case. My biggest hope in all of this is that the Red Angel is not going to be the explanation they use for why the Klingons look the way they do in the original series. That would be upsetting. Not as upsetting as if they went with the weird Augmen thing from (laughs) Star Trek Enterprise... But it, it would it would not make me happy. I don't know. We'll we'll have to see where they're going. This this is the first kind of bummer episode that they've done this season. Episode one was good, episode two was good. This one not so much. We'll have to see with episode four, where it looks like they're concocting a reason for Saru to be on the brink of death. Uh, I don't know. Um We'll we'll have to see. The title of the episode is An Abel for Caron," And we're going to get introduced to the character of number one and learn her actual name. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see where this is going. I, I still think it's a show worth watching, even with this weird misstep in it. But we'll have to wait and see. It's just that's the nature of things. Alrighty. I hope you enjoyed this episode a lot more than I enjoyed this episode of Star Trek Discovery. If you did, and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate the episode, please do so. It helps out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. That really helps out a lot over there. If you're new to the show, welcome. Hi! If you really like what I'm doing and you got a buck you can throw my way, in the show notes you'll see the Anchor community support link. If you click that, you can join the project for as little as $1 a month. That money really does help out a lot. Helps me get to conventions, helps me get the new microphone that I'm talking to you on, helps me to get some of the things that are going to help the new books look better for you all when they come out, and not take me weeks of time to to get to look good as I was able to get vellum and worldographer so thank you so much to everyone who has been helping okay um if you want to reach out to me especially if you watch this episode and you have thoughts on it I would love to talk to you you can hit me up on twitter I'm C.E. Dorset on twitter you can find a link to all my social media over at projectshadow.com as well as links to all the projects that I'm working on I'm knee-deep in edits right now for the book, Crucify My Love, which I'm still hoping will be out before Valentine's Day. It looks like I'm going to be able to make that schedule, but only time will tell. So until next time, where we will talk about something that's not Ash Tyler. Don't forget, have the fun. Bye.